and welcome, everyone. Hope you're all having a fantastic week so far. Today, we are here for another episode of the Podcast Surprise. We have uh, two versions of the Podcast Surprise. We have our live YouTube version, which you can check out when we do all of our live stuff. You can come join us in the comment section in the live chat. And we also have our podcast version, which you can check out on anchor.fm with an awesome playlist of episodes. Today, we'll be covering Redanian Intelligence. Shall we dive into... Sorry, guys. I'm like a, I'm like a little kid. Excited to talk about the first episode that matters. Well, I know what you mean <laughs> by that, McCall. Someone said on... I don't remember where it was, but someone pointed out that Jaskier has not kissed anyone on screen. Noted womanizer Jaskier. <laughs> How about that? It's almost like he talks a big game, but... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> it does fit in with his, uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, what exactly do you mean by this is the first episode? I'm just saying, that the only important character in the entire show turns up in episode four. Yeah, the introduction of, uh, of Dijkstra. I okay, remember, we, didn't we complain about this? We're like, Dijkstra? We thought it was Dijkstra. Dang it. <laughs> no, I, that, that was Nivellin. Yeah, same that. with Nivellin. Well, I, I thought it was, it is Dijkstra. It was also Nivellin. Yeah, you're right. That is what we talked about. But it's the same thing applies here because I thought it was Dijkstra and it's Dijkstra. It's like, yeah, we did say Dijkstra. <laughs> Extra. So Nevelin, Nevelin, Dijkstra, Dijkstra, dang it. <laughs> well, uh, you know who we're talking about. Dijkstra stops an assassination of Vizimir. That's quite the entrance, huh? Uh, a bit strong, right? A little, yeah. <laughs> I just, uh, Graham McTavish is such a fantastic actor. And for him, yeah. he, he's such a commanding presence. I don't know if you guys have ever watched, a, what's it called, the, the Highlander show? Um, Outlander, yeah, yeah. Outlander, so, uh, Highlander. A lot of it's in Scotland, so, you know, Highlander's not... Outlander, he's so fan. He's so, he's, so fan. Yeah. he's so commanding when he's on screen. He just walks in with this confidence, and he's about his business. You're like, shit, better not be messing with this guy, man. I, like, I, I do appreciate that, because there's no way they were going to cast someone who's actually as big as the character in the book is, who's like yeah. more than seven feet tall. But he is big. He is a lot bigger than you expect like a spy master to be. So it still works. It still implies that, that he's, he's got that swagger. Though. It's more of a swagger. That's what I really enjoyed about it. Yeah. Mikhail, what did you think about his entrance? He's definitely a fan favorite character for sure. Look at the premier news outlet for the Witcher, Redanian Intelligence. They based <laughs> it off their, their man, Dijkstra one of the favorite characters but what do you think about his appearance he didn't disappoint i felt like it was really good dialogue he commanded the scene well and it was like okay this is where we're going with the northern kingdom stuff yeah no very unforgettable it makes a huge impact and we have wizard politics but now we have political people doing their politics which is a nice element to add to all this this is like a nine-sided chessboard like chess master i will point out though that he, he kills a woman <laughs> who's offering Vizmir, and yep. then he makes the guy drink the poison drink, and of course it's poisoned, and he dies. I'm sorry for theatrics. I had to be sure, and I'm like, you just killed that woman <laughs> before being sure. Were you only sure about her and not about him? Because it seemed like, like, yeah, this is okay. <laughs> wow, you're uh, you're definitely splitting hairs in terms of what you need to be sure, sir. <laughs> and that was a really mighty throw. That blade went way through her. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shouting, my king would surely have done the same thing. Let's let's do let's do the murder. <laughs> it's not what he says; it's how he says it. It's yeah. like very cocky. Yeah, is that? You know, what I mean? he's like he's gallivanting a little bit. And Vizimir <laughs> is so funny. He's just like. Oh. He's almost Fuck. been killed by people he knew since he was, he was a kid. young. And he's like, well, hurry up, because I'm hungry. 
He's so bad. He's yeah, so it's bad. great. I appreciate how awful he is. I, I do like the the comical element of Vizimir, though. He's, he's awful, but he's funny. It's really nice. Um, yeah. He's dangerous uh, because he's a king. But he's and kings have power, but he's kind of dumb. But he but he's not dumb in a sense that he understands power. He understands opportunity. He's got a little of that ability because when Dijkstra Dijkstra brings up the potential to take Sintra, Sintra. which is like, aha, now there's other players moving in on the political side. There's no magic coming from Dijkstra here. He's not interested in the elder blood. Now, behind all that, we have Philippa the Owl, who might be interested in that. That hasn't really been addressed in the show yet, one way or another. In the books, it's addressed. You guys know Philippa. She's a great actor. Yeah. <laughs> you know so this is more of a regular power play, right? Nations attacking nations when there's an opportunity. Now, of course, fueling all that is other ambitions, potentially. But sticking with just Dijkstra and Vizimir, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. When he brings this up, Vizimir's like, oh, Calanthe's dead and they're weak. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. I could have thought of this on my own, but hey, that's what I pay you to do. Now about dinner. <laughs> it was a nice suggestion. More power? Okay, I'm interested. He's like, in yeah, all right, yeah. How much work do I have to do to make this happen? Because <laughs> if but, you're going to take care of it, I'm all for it. But if I have to think about it a lot, I don't know. <laughs> the, fu- the, the, the funny way it's framed, though, is just, oh, we can make a play for Sintra. It doesn't seem like this terribly big thing because of what just happened, because of this big kind of entrance that Dijkstra made, but we got we can't forget that Nilfgaard fucking occupies Sintra. But the way yeah. they're talking, they seem so confident. The way they present the scene is, oh, the Northern Kingdom's pretty powerful too. Like I just like that kind of swagger that they left it with the, the little kind of crumbs there. And it's all oh, that really yeah. has that excitement. Like there is another kingdom out there that, that has a lot of power. And it makes sense, right? Nilfgaard is a conqueror. It's an aggressive conqueror. So Redania can play it as we're liberating Sintra. Right. We're, t- we're, yeah. we're not we're getting rid of these conquerors and returning. But in make to make sure things go well in Sintra, we're going to watch over it afterwards. We're going to administer it until it gets back on its feet. Right. And meanwhile, they're just sticking in the hooks and eventually their real plan is to control it themselves. Right. That's their actual plan. But they're just using freedom and, and justice as their marketing slogans, <laughs> their cover story. It's pretty subtle. I appreciate it. As weird as some of these scenes are, like the knife throwing and this when he's drinking and brainstorming shirtless, it was strange. But the way they execute the planning and the, and the way this plays out with Dara being brought back in and how Dykstra's like, we don't know anything about him here. No one knows anything about him, which is a really big statement to make for a spy master is out here saying, we don't know anything about him. That's the problem. We don't know what his goals are, which we know what his goals are. At least we know one of them, which is this white flame business with Siri. So we know more than Dykstra knows about that. And ting, we're talking Dijkstra is the Varus of the Witcher, okay? I just put another <laughs> coin in our jar here. He's the guy who has the knowledge. He's He's got his spies everywhere gaining knowledge for him. And we even see information come from uh, a same, yeah. similar kind of way. So that's pretty cool, too. So the fact that he doesn't know yeah. about M here is a big thing. <laughs> it tells us a lot, right? Like, I, I have spies everywhere, but, I, but even I don't know what's up with this guy. So, that yeah, that tells you a lot. Question, though. Did you know the owl right away? I was like, yep, I knew right away who it was. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because you see through the owl's eyes. Once you get the owl's perspective, that really gave it away. I was so stupid. I had an actual thought hole. And I was like, oh, wow, they're making Tawny Owl a real owl, huh? Not going to Philippa at all. That is confusing, right? Different owl. I I do remember a conversation about like episode six or seven or something. You're like, what's up with this owl? And I'm like, wait. 
Miguel. <laughs> I did not remember. I did not remember nice, it at all. Nice. And I, I, Kate Bertinsky is mentioning in the chat that she thought the shirtless rant was weird, and I agree. It was it, weird. It, yeah. Such a contrast. I guess they just wanted to not reveal that Philippa was the owl yeah. until the end. But I don't know why he has I to guess. be drunk and t- talking to her as if she's not there. Or is, but it's not clear. Maybe he can yeah. only get up the courage. Spoiler, but in the books, he has a massive crush on her. Yeah. yeah. So maybe he can only get up the courage when he's he's yeah. drunk and. Yeah. I mean, obviously, she's one of the most power. A good combination. She's right? one of the most powerful mage sorceresses for sure. I did like the impact of introducing her in episode eight because we get two big reveals and then she's definitely going to play a big role going forward especially in season three she'll have quite a bit of screen time for sure but i but i i do like them not introducing her earlier i felt like the anticipation of what's going on with this alan i did like that i mean it's very creepy it kept showing up and it was like i don't think good things are happening when this thing is here it's like what's going on with this alan man (laughs) but like then you realize it's like okay Something that I didn't realize the first time through rewatching made this clear to me that we know who the mysterious benefactor is when Gaskier is talking about we've got benefactors helping out, helping the underground here. The fact that Dara shows up on the rescue ship as one of the escapees is pretty clear evidence that the benefactor is Redania and they're doing this as part of their plan to take Sintra to spy on it. And they know elven refugees are going there because the Nilfgaard is collecting elves. So that's the perfect opportunity to sneak an elf in as a spy, which is Dara. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I will say it took him a long time to get to the, like the only person we could get into Sintra as an elf. Yeah. (laughs) But we need a spy. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. Like, thanks. An elf spy. <laughs> yeah, I guess because he's drunk. This is slow. I don't know. I guess, yeah. I'm just imagining Philippa being like an elf spy. Yeah, yeah. An elf spy. An elf spy. <laughs> like, <laughs> Usually when new kingdoms and new characters are introduced, we already have so many compelling characters like Fringilla and Kahir, and we have Yennefer and Trenton. We have a lot of really good characters. And obviously being a book reader, I was excited I, w- I wanted to see how they're going to put this on screen and adapt it, but I-, I felt like it was done so well. I was so happy. And I'm like, yeah. we're teasing a little bit with the political stuff going forward, but shit really hits the fan. And I was like, okay, this makes me excited that they're going to be doing it properly with the way they portrayed the Northern Kingdom. And I thought it was fucking awesome. Right on. Yeah. So yeah, excitement from me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now let's go to Mikal. Mikal, you take it away here because you're the Mikal scare of the podcast. <laughs> a little setup real quick to set the stage for the scene. We have Nilfgaard. We have the elves roped together. It's pretty awful. We have a, a crier yelling, a human crier yelling, the wild hunt walks among us. Watch for the signs. Yeah, we have been. There are some signs. And watching on a rewatch, there's a lot more signs because you're not necessarily looking for them all, especially not in the first episode, but they're there. So Yen and Kay here have run here, right? They've escaped and arrived here. And this is when they find out about the sandpiper in Oxenfurt and, and they're going through the sewers. And so it's funny, Kyle, that you said the shit hits the fan because here they are <laughs> in the sewer, yeah. <laughs> which is like a, a shard of ice. That's an elven. The sewer used to be an elven aqueduct, which is the same as in shard of ice. I appreciate that carrying over of details. Now that's set up. McCall, please take it away. First of all, I just love the introduction that it's from Yennefer's point of view. First of all, who's the sandpiper? I'm like, oh, my God. It better be. It better be. Yeah. (laughs) Because I was getting really pissed off at this point that we hadn't seen him yet. I was like, guys, this is 75% of the reason I'm here. And 
this is unacceptable. So I was, yeah, really glad to see or to hear him first. And you just like hear this wailing song, seeing it from her perspective. Her smile. Really, yeah, she's happy to see him or to hear him and yeah. to, to have him be alive and in her life again for a second. Also, the song is just so funny. Like, it is <laughs> it's Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift wishes, honestly. Oh, yeah. Like it's so funny, and the way Joey Beatty leans into it dramatically and is a hundred percent singing it totally seriously. In his red leather, and yeah, he's... yes. Oh my god, that's like uh, Oxenfurt goth right there. I think. <laughs> It's so funny about this is all all of my non-book reader friends or like family members who watch The Witcher, they're like, oh, this was one of my favorite moments of the season because of like the Taylor Swifty song. Just like the the whole breakup element of Yaskir and Carol's love. Like the people love that so much and I'm so glad they do like this. And it's so, I I don't know. It's just wonderful. It's wonderful having him back in. He's right. He picks off up like perfectly there's just no there's no gap in the yaskir it's just he's here he's petty he's drinking he's horny (laughs) 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 and it's uh, like how he calls her witch and it's just it's so great it's so great (laughs) the way he says it yeah he makes it like three syllables And how his attitude changes when he realizes or remembers that Yennefer is part elf is like very oh, yeah. moving That's also. Right. It's like, good and like story, it doesn't yeah. change his opinion of her, but he's, oh, okay, you are, you need you're help. You're in danger. Yeah. yeah it's not yeah. just, yeah. What do you want? Oh, you're in danger. I'm still annoyed with you, but you, I, I don't want you to die, nor any of the, those who share your blood. Yeah. Before that, Kahir holds back for a minute, right? He, he's like standing back while they have their reunion and he comes in and, and gets introduced or what have you. So before that and after that, I, some of it, I can't remember whether this happens before or after he sends them back into the sewer to make their way. But there's this great discussion about power and purpose and love and Kahir figures out that she doesn't have her power anymore because of the fire magic. And then she has this great quote. I mean, Yennefer, Yennefer I think, has been the most quotable of the season, possibly. She has so many great lines, whether they're funny or meaningful. A lot of snarky uh, ones, for sure. The most important thing they teach you at Aratusa isn't magic. It's to make people in power believe anything you want them to. Do anything you want them to. That's a really good point. And that's part of why she got so disenfranchised with it all (laughs) that's part of what like that's part of like why she and it's also why she can't like i i really think that neither k here nor fringilla compute a little bit for yen because she can't believe in someone believing Mm. that much Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. good point yeah she's her she's too cynical to understand true faith and she's right there's some cracks in that what is the line everyone answers to someone eventually even you i suspect <laughs> there's yeah so that's that's really good that applies to that applies both ways it's true for Yennefer. even she has someone she answers to eventually and even whether it's siri or geralt or herself or tsea or the deathless mother <laughs> behind all this someone who's holding power over her or in kher's case their faith <laughs> is in a person. Do they really know what the deal with M here is? Is he really all they think he is? Is he really yeah. a worthy of their faith? Yeah, make or, your own call, Mikhail. Yeah, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest no. <laughs> He's not, but <laughs> make your own call. <laughs> oh, I, I, I have no illusions when it comes to uh, pretty strong feelings, as I think you know. <laughs> Back to what you were saying about Yennefer and, and 
Gaskier bonding and coming back together, her loss of magic is something that he really can jive with as well. Like, obviously, he doesn't have magic, but he's, what if I lose my musical ability? What if, like, my hand is broken or I lose my voice? And he doesn't say that. He says, I'm scared the muses will stop speaking to me. But same difference. If he loses the ability to... To be creative, yeah. beguile people, if he loses his creativity. A lot of artists struggle with that. I will admit that his line about, and eventually they'll come for the artists... I was a little bit like, I'm slightly less than moved by that logic, (laughs) but uh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Art is a bit more persecuted in their world, but still, I'm with you. (laughs) It's still not, it's nothing Uh, like a race. Yeah, but I did really like that conversation with the boat, because it felt, I don't know, I almost wonder if it's like foreshadowing, if they like would do something horrible to him. That yeah. doesn't happen in the books, but yeah. Ooh, what do you mean? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Cut off his hand or something so he can't play the lute. No, don't no, know. don't do that. Yeah. We don't get the Bleo Barra scene that I mentioned in the last episode, but we do get it referred to. Uh, Yaskier refers to being at the seat of friendship when it was raided. And that that's what kicks off this discussion of them coming for everyone because they're coming from they're coming for even for the seat of friendship and then for that and where everyone's supposed to be welcome. So that's like a it's a holy spot, right, where your race, your creed, your beliefs aren't supposed to matter. It's supposed to be like neutral ground. The Druids have been keeping taking care of it forever. It's the oldest tree on the continent, according to them. May or may not actually be true. It doesn't matter because it's the the symbology of it that really matters. The the. The creed of the place matters more than whether that detail is actually true. But so it's too bad we didn't get to see that, but I'm glad it was referred to. And apparently that's where Rians has been tracking him ever since that scene. And that is true for book and show. So that's a nice uh, <laughs> little uh, carryover. I really hated that. How about that poor <laughs> the elf guy? It's a bummer that elf was killed, huh? Oh. Yeah. He was. You seem like a good person, right? Just like a really bad thing happened. Especially yeah. like at the beginning, he's the the deaf elf is. I won't leave you when he thinks that Kay here and Yennefer are dangerous, and then he just <laughs> out. He gets tossed out like the trash. Yeah, Zugal got him. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And then his his yeah. friend had his redeeming moment. Like the Yennefer calls out, "You ran away. That guy needed your help." And then the dude sacrifices himself to help everybody else get on the ship. He had his uh, redemptive moment. Don't you think that, that? That was just as sad, in my opinion, because... Oh, it was very brutal. It showed the, xenopho- yeah, the, the xenophobia and racism elements we've been talking about and how the elves have literally been kicked into the ground. This elf was pretty fucking sad. And I thought, as sad as it was, it was very much Witcher vibe thing to do. Because we've talked a lot about, in the short stories, how Sapkowski goes from silly to sad on the turn of a dime and that scene was exactly that because yeah. G- Jaskier's conversation with that guard was hilarious right actually that one song yours I'm not a big fan of who does that who like insult like actually people do that they go up to their favorite <laughs> artist and insult their choices I wouldn't have written that song that way and Jaskier's like he's one of these guys like, yeah. am I really gonna I really should keep my mouth shut but I just can't do it like okay you talentless blah, 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 you know and it's like <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's also about season one. Yeah, <laughs> so it's yeah. like hilarious. I don't, I don't have all the lyrics. But he's like over all the lines, but he, it took me until the fourth stanza to realize there were different timelines. <laughs> I wonder what that's referencing. <laughs> that's awesome. It was yeah, I laughed so hard. It was so meta. Yep, they're making fun of themselves. That's that was really funny. I'm imagining Lauren Hester just oh, so you guys didn't like. Huh? Well, I can okay. have a sense well, of humor. About it. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Gregor in the chat says Jasker's responsible for that death. Like, yeah, kind of. He didn't really, necessarily yeah. see that coming. I'm not sure he could see that coming, but he definitely screwed the operation up. Yeah, he yeah. made it necessary. Jasker so. wouldn't do that kind of thing intentionally, though. He's not good. Yeah. 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 But it's a good point. In times like these, Jasker mm, yeah. is obviously doing good things by being the sandpiper, but it might take a little more seriousness than he's necessarily yeah. attributing to it. It's it's a good motivation going forward if you think about it because shit does get serious. It's like oh, okay, really get our shit together, even though yeah, scares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, scare. Yes. I'm just gonna say yeah, scares, yeah, scare because he's a one of a kind. <laughs> Well, we start off the episode with Siri and Geralt and the appearance of Triss meeting Siri. Yeah, that's so neat. So apparently they had originally written Siri and Triss as like Siri was going to have a crush, like a schoolgirl crush on Triss. And that's why some of these scenes are filmed the way they are. But they sort of dropped that apparently. I'm not sure at what point they dropped it, but they realized that, yeah, I mean, she's not really a schoolgirl anymore. They had planned this for when the show first started filming and well freya allen is a young lady who is less young than she was when they wrote those lines so. yeah <laughs> it's not quite as she looks a lot yeah. older in season two as well we'll just say that yeah i don't know i i kind of still would have liked that it could like yeah, she could still work she's a teenager i mean she can have crushes yeah. like I, i'm kind of with you mccall i don't see why that was a reason it seems like it could still done it like what's the why not just have her have a teen crush what's the difference <laughs> what's the problem that's a thing it, yeah it's like the trail there's some false tension there i love that they're like what is it it's a some sort of sound is it a mo oh no it's tris and Geralt <laughs> kills a boar while tris and, <laughs> and, and, and and siri are talking and getting to know each other there's a lot of stuff carried over from the, the Triss scenes from Blood of Elves, which I appreciate because I like that stuff a lot. Triss pushing again, back on the Witchers, the little debates they have. I really like that stuff. So a lot of it's here. She got a strong yeah, person. Triss being yeah. mom Triss yeah. is just excellent. She got a strong personality and she, I think she she reads the room very well like Vogelpore. She understands what's going on. And she's, listen, she feels the vibes yeah. <laughs> of what's going on. I get the sense she's like Vilgefortz, but she actually wants to help. Yeah, people. she's like the opposite of Vilgefortz in that she's not awful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Similar skills, opposite personality. Because <laughs> they both have a talent for medical stuff, right? <laughs> Vilgefortz is, is a little, uh, well, we'll get there later. Someone wrote here in the notes, non-Witcher influence on Siri, which is super important because she obviously has lots of non-Witcher elements to her destiny, to her abilities, to her inborn talents that she needs to learn how to use. Heck, she's a woman. She needs other yes. women in her life. There's just that very basic aspect, which I, again, from the book, I really appreciate how realistic Sapkowski attempted to be here with basic stuff about she's a girl. She's certain things girls need <laughs> that boys don't. You can't just skip over that. Yeah. I think we do realize, too, that Geralt's going to be a, a good father figure because he, he he wants to help her. And we do know that Vesemir can offer wisdom. We do know that Yennefer is going to be there at some point, but having a true friend like Triss who has good intentions, that's difficult to find on the continent. You know what I mean? People are yeah. buying politics and doing all this other shit. Everybody wants Siri from sort of some sort of selfish reason. And, and Triss is not there for a selfish reason at all. Yeah. Well, I feel like Geralt also feels very, he looks ashamed like when he hasn't, really fully anticipated all of series needs like when mentions everything and i yeah I, I thought that was very sweet and it's funny because it does lead to that like she tris harangues them a bit 
rightfully so in a lot of cases. But then they're, dude, I mean, that is why we brought you here to address these things. <laughs> 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 like, you are the... <laughs> here, you take care of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, we're not trying, we don't know how to do it. You're right, we don't know how to do it. That's so help, please. <laughs> but th- this, is a, this is a good foresight by Geralt, though. It's like, yeah. Geralt realizes that he doesn't have all the skills right now to understand Siri in that there is, I mean, look at what happened with Lambert and Cohen and all of them. So he's, this is a good idea. And I think this is a plus one for Geralt as daddy Geralt. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> he's like accepting, doing what needs to be done, even if he doesn't like it or, yeah, or he knows other people will, even if it will make him unpopular with the other witchers or what have you. Yeah. The, the lab stuff, the whole discussion of how Siri is different in some ways, like how she's got this massive magic within her, but she can't do basic witcher signs, which in multiple places, it's pointed out that you need very little magic to be able to do witcher signs. She has this insane power within her, yet can't do witcher signs. It's very peculiar. And it becomes even more peculiar when we realize that Elder Blood is quite possibly or is likely to be a key ingredient in the original Witcher mutagen. So that is odd that this elder blood that she has maybe is part of the reason she can't do Witcher signs, yet you need this to make Witchers. Chemistry isn't intuitive, so <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not, I'm not saying this is a problem. It's slightly confusing, but all, call, but all really call cool. people later in the season who try and do stupid things. <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> Eldritch detective work here. I, I like it. I like lore. I like studying the lore. It's like making science out of the lore. This is very cool. This is my jam. Yeah, this, and they're so confused. They're like, Stellasite? In this leshy and in the Myriapod? What the hell is going on? And the monoliths and Siri wakes up in bed after having her another one of her like prophetic fever dreams. And, and the fever line dreams. is daughter of chaos belongs to us. Join the procession. There is only death here. And that's with uh, Triss witnessing it. She goes into the dream with her and it does not go how Triss expects. She's, oh, it's no big deal. I'll go into your dream with you and look around. And it's, oh, my God, what is happening in here? This is some evil, dangerous stuff. And it's fiery. Which is really neat because we have this backdrop of fire magic, which is being set up as this important thing. Stregobor, when he's getting in Yennefer's head, he's asking her, what was it like to control fire magic? And he's got this lust in his voice. And it's because normally his like political mask is very strong. He's always like, oh, I'm the reasonable one. But you could, the lust comes out of him when he's talking to her about fire magic. Yeah. And this fire magic is this engorging thing, yeah. like this dark. It's used for chaos, and chaos is mm-hmm. used for death. Which, of course, ties into his whole Falca <laughs> burning people and all that. It's all twisted together mm-hmm. in ways that aren't entirely clear, yeah. but are compelling and and dark and interesting. Siri, her visions are fiery, and that she's taught tied to a prophecy which calls about essentially an True. ice age, though. So there's this ice the and fire element going. Elements, on. yeah, that's pretty cool. Think. Mm. Coin in the in the Game of Thrones jar. <laughs> Wait, ice and fire! Come on, I didn't know that. Like that. So. No, George R. R. Martin invented the idea of ice and fire being a contrast. <laughs> no one ever thought of that before 1996. <laughs> I'm not even that Robert Frost. No, no, no. Taught that to Robert Frost years before he was born. <laughs> <laughs> we can laugh about it, huh? 
That, that, that was a good one, Mikael. I actually wish I had a little <laughs> coin. I gotta get, you know what? I gotta get that sound effect for the sound warfare <laughs> in the future. So we'll be, yeah. <laughs> but it is yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's for pretty sure. neat. I like that. The unexpected stuff, the, the, the way series powers keep throwing people off, They're like not being what they expect, yet everyone's after them is is really cool and i think i said this before i like how they even folded vesemir into this like he's not trying to hurt her when she's i want the injection first he's no but he does want her power he does just doesn't isn't willing to harm her until she well he is he just she has to accept it first well it's interesting i think it's very important to note that he like gets the idea or anyway like he's at the grave right he's at eskel's grave and then that's when he finds the flowers and that's when he takes it to tris and there's elder blood here and it seems like it's in siri just look at it from the top down it's like Vesemir wants Ciri's blood, but there's a little bit more nuance there. He's sad. Like you said, he he wanted to find out what did this, and he wants to have it not happen again. And all of a sudden, it's dropped into his lap. Oh, my God, elder blood. And this supposedly is how we make witchers, and we don't know how to make witchers. It's like a godsend, in a sense. Oh, it's powerful. He says, destiny has given us a gift. Oh, yeah. Destiny, he says. Yes. So then he, but then as time goes by and he thinks it through and talks to Geralt, he realizes it's not what he thinks it's not quite that it's there's so much there's a lot more danger in this and he has to remember that it's not good to make more witchers actually in a lot of ways it's bad for the children but this this this, this is uh kind of what we talked a little bit in the last episode guys in that this building of the mythology of the Witcherverse and especially in this season with the conjunction of spheres and the elder blood we're getting major hits of elder blood stuff here right like it's yeah. it, this kind of stuff is the kind of stuff that we know is going to be end game stuff or the mm-hmm. end of the Witcher. It's not just going to go away. So the fact that we get characters like Triss and Vesemir who are taking interest in this kind of stuff, like I said earlier, having these kind of characters get interested in it, like characters like Istrid, is a big deal because not as many. It's. it's I, I want to say it's not as prevalent in the books, but they're really pushing it to the forefront. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important for the TV yeah. adaptation. Well, I thought it was interesting, like the the characterization of Siri when she comes in dressed up nicely. And and Triss is like, oh, you look nice. And the and the men are like teasing her a bit. I thought their teasing was pretty mild considering all, all the other teasing they've done of her. But that kind of reveals that she's a lot more sensitive about this. Like when they were teasing her about her toughness, she's like, I'll show you how tough I am. But when Lambert makes a comment about her dress, she storms off and it's really mild. It was definitely teasing and, and rude, but it was like, huh, she's a little sensitive about this and that and Tris picks up on it. What does Tris say? She says, the truth is you're choosing to be ignorant assholes, aren't you? <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, get him, Tris. <laughs> this kind of goes back to the past of Siri being a princess before and being able to be girly and express herself and however she wanted. And she's in a situation where she's not necessarily allowed to, well, she's allowed to express herself, but she's obviously been through some tragedy and taken down a few pegs here. And I think Tress recognizes that. Hey, like, she's been through a lot, man. She's still a kid. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I mean, it's also like, to be honest, I don't know if this is accurate or whatever, but like when you're growing up as a teenager and you're making your first choices about what you want to wear as opposed to what like people are telling you to wear, yeah. that's like an emotional thing. And then when people are like, you look so stupid, you're drizzling, that's really painful. Yeah. And like it goes to a different part of her than I think the other teasing, even if, if they meant this yeah, more well gently, it, it cuts much closer to, I guess, a painful part of series experience. Teasing and bullying in high school, there's a lot of kids that were really hurt by that. And I'm not saying that this is the same thing, but 
It definitely. Yeah. I mean, people go home and they cry. It's, it's an emotional thing for sure. It's a sore spot. Yeah. And I thought yeah. that was pretty well done, actually, because like you said, McCall, it's not the same. It's a different emotion that they're playing with there. And even they seemed a little confused as to why she stormed off. She's like, normally when we tease her, she takes it pretty well. She just fires back like she's in, she's made fun of Lambert to his face before. Like she gets into the banter like she's pretty good. at. She made Cohen laugh at him, stuff like that. So they kind of mutter. They're like, well, we're just playing around because they, they were a surprise, too. They're like, huh, I guess we struck a nerve. I didn't mean to do that. I thought I was just. I don't think they also realize <laughs> that she's probably at the point of like emotional exhaustion. She dealt with like yeah. death of her whole family and she's basically moved into her new home like moving is not a thing that i, I mean they trucked trucked across the continent which is incredibly dangerous they could have died yeah. i mean they almost did die you know what i mean so <laughs> she's at this point I, I think this build up of things they continue to just chip away and like we get as humans we're human we get aggravated at certain points i think this is there is the point of aggravation here for her you know what i mean she's this is, it may, may have seemed more like a small thing but there was a buildup of things that actually led to this yeah. more bigger reaction i would say yeah obviously when siri has her revelation or prophecy that's what kicks Geralt's into going off and solving problem mode which also they have he has to part from triss there as well and that was a nice moment that we should address <laughs> what y'all think of that scene there's a nice sweetness to it. There was like a gentle caring, like a recognition, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. They were both, I mean, they both suffered. Like Triss still has some trauma about what happened to her. And we saw some of that in the bath scene when she's not ready to like let her scar be shown and all that. Pretty cool. Pretty good. <laughs> we're kind of defaulting to the point where we're like, we've seen Geralt sleep with a, a few women. You know what I mean? <laughs> and this is more, more of a tender moment where like he's like really appreciative of Triss. You know what I mean? And she genuinely feels that. For Geralt to come, you know what I mean? It's, it's nice. Yeah. And maybe Tris, I'm not saying Tris doesn't feel appreciated, but to hear it from Geralt is different. She respects him a lot. A really overpowering theme for this episode is creating a future for things that are dying out. Whether it's trying to make more witchers or it's trying to reestablish elves as an entire culture. Or just this one elf talking about trying to make a family, getting a wife and a family and doing a farm, like the, the deaf elf guy. and Or whether it's the elder blood that's dead and is trying to restore itself. Heck, even the wild hunt is trying to get back in the game. <laughs> so they're, been, they're, they're on the way out. They're trying to stay relevant or what have you. And so there's a lot of that going on. It's a nice unifying theme throughout all these different plot lines. And... You could even argue that that's happening with Redania. Sintra is trying to be, they're trying to make Sintra a thing again, but for their own devices, but it is trying to restore something that was just, so that is, and, and trying to, you know, Jaskier's, you know, like um, lamenting the loss of his relationship with Geralt is <laughs> a little less serious than, but it is, he feels it deeply. So there is that, you know. <laughs> It's a little smaller scale, but it's something. There's uh, a couple of really obscure, sneaky lines. You know how I've made a couple <laughs> of references to the rats around Kaer Morhen? Lambert actually says, come on, you little rat, to Siri at one point in this episode. <laughs> it's just it's a side comment. Oh, <laughs> I think it was Lambert anyway. It was one of the witchers. says, come on, you little rat. And I refer to that creature as a zoogle. It's not actually explicit, but... It's got to be the Zoogle, like Shard of Ice. It's the sewer monster. It's got the tentacles and all that. So the other, I, I sent you the link on Instagram Some, the other day, and that thing was con confirmed to be a Chernobog, 
Remember that? So, oh yeah, that one thing. Yeah, that flying monster, which I guess yeah. is in the next episode or sixth episode. We'll do some Whoa, research on what that thing is. I never heard of that before. Chernobyl. I never even heard of that before. But but <laughs> but it is cool that we do. The Zugal is absolutely hideous. So yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the line, perhaps something more, was in this episode, too. So another uh, short story title reference there. So I I don't have any more points except for the funny stuff, which I said there's a good bit. So I, I want to make sure you all. Oh, uh, Rience. The Rience was when we get we find out that he was actually yeah, there. He was, he was ch- he's uh, the one who chased away. Like, I don't think he, he was stalking like, Jaskier there. Yeah. So we find out that later. But it's, it's apparently... Good. It's good to know here. Good to point that out here. Because we find uh, out later, it's more insightful. And then we're like, ah. Because it's that the makes next sense. episode where it's introduced that he was let out of jail. And, yeah. and so it's a flashback to now, just which is a good setup. Actually, there is one other thing we need to talk about here, which sets up the Geralt portaling in to, <laughs> yeah. to Istrid's location. Whereas in the next episode, we see. A few minutes before Geralt portals in, we see it from Istrid's perspective where he's looking around, he's getting frustrated. He's like, what does all this mean? And then he like throws the book at the statue and is like, wait, don't knock the statue over. That's a statue of King Rogner. That's, series, that's series granddad. So I think that's Ebbing that they're in because that's because he was the king of Ebbing. So that's the one place that would make sense for his statue to be. And so, so that's funny that he just portals in and Geralt needs a minute. He's like, who the hell are you? And just invading. And he's like, hang on, bro. Give me a sec. And then the, he's like, portals are no fun, man. Yeah, portals are no fun. Imagine what going through a portal would be like getting sick after one. Uh, Mika Mikau, can you imagine what going through a portal would be like? I mean, I'm a creative person, but I don't necessarily need to go there. (laughs) (laughs) Gregor in the chat says, it's confirmed that it's a Zoogle. And Kate Bertinsky says, that library is everything. Yeah, it's a very cool library. I also, I really do like how serious she tells them the problem about you know, the monoliths and Garrett, like instantly goes into dad I fix mode. Oh, yeah. We know the interaction between Istrid and Geralt is going to be awkward too when we first see them interacting. We know they're going to get along because they're going to be bros. You know what I mean? They're going to be bros. <laughs> but at the same time, once they actually have a conversation, which we find out later, it's like going to be really awkward. Mm-hmm. Yen, Yennefer, Yenna, Yen. So, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, that is so good. I love that. Yen <laughs> corrects him. So I love good. how they have no fucking idea. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, okay, yeah. it's like, we, we, we know shit's going to pop up. <laughs> I'm looking forward to watching that again. Other funny moment. That's a really funny one. Yeah. Then we have back at Care Morin, we have. Lambert says, haven't even had me fill of grog yet. And already the women are doubling. (laughs) (laughs) And then she says, Lambert. And he says, Marigold. (laughs) She says, I see your wounds have improved, but your manners have not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they know each other. She says, I assume you'll all want to wash up as well when they're getting ready for dinner. And they're just, "Mm, we don't do that. That's actually really Uh. funny since, first of all, I I do have to say, as much as Yen and Kahir claimed to stink, they look pretty fine to me. Their cloaks are barely dirty, especially Yennefer. She was like fully under the sewage water and she's pretty fine. Yeah, you look pretty much the the same level of dirty as most people in this town. Okay. Well, you know what it is? They do all the costuming and stuff. It's like, okay, they're in a different scene. They make them all nice for the next scene. That's what I was doing. (laughs) 
why do they have chunks of poo everywhere on their shit? Have you read that thing about Henry Cavill yeah. and, uh, not being dirty enough? No. <laughs> there's an article. There's a couple articles about how he would roll around in the dirt. They would bring him his costume and he'd be like, guys, this isn't dirty enough. He'd be like, they'd bring it me ni- ni- nicely pressed and neat with a little dust on top because they needed to dust it up. And he's like, guys, oh, this, this needs to be a lot dirtier. And then he would say they would he would they would be horrified at how he would yeah, he would dirty himself up more. And, and I think we all appreciate that. Yeah, he should yeah. be like lived he's in, been in and the shit. not pristine. Yeah. And this episode in particular, because it's the Shard of Ice episode, right? And that's the one where in the books, he like literally has to get into the sewer. And then Yennefer's like, you need a bath. And he's and she gives him a bath, summons the bath and then throws the water out the window, right? And it hits somebody and she's yes. shouldn't have been walking by the window. Well, interestingly enough, she doesn't heat the water. And she doesn't heat the yeah. water. Oh, you're right. She doesn't heat the water in the last one either. Oh, my God. That, I didn't catch that reference. Nice. Very good catch. I also just want to point out that when Yaskir says that they smell like something has crawled up their ass and died, Kahir looks at Yennefer and very noticeably sniffs. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. so funny. It's like the only funny thing he does in the entire show, but it's really funny. There's one other funny thing I think he said. Actually, maybe this wasn't his line, but... Yennefer gets so mad when the other elf gets when the elf gets killed. They're out in this plaza and she yells, what's the point? And Cahir goes of screaming. (laughs) And he goes, she goes of anything. (laughs) Dude, we're still trying to be sneaky here. What's the point of screaming (laughs) when we're like sneaking around in the sewers? (laughs) Ah. Oh, my God. The quips just start flowing like water. It's amazing. There's a really good mix of funny and serious in these episodes, huh? Deep things to think about, and then it's just like these super silly things that happen shit. There's the line, I miss the days when my biggest problem was an ever-present sing-songy twit. <laughs> I think it's part of why they wanted Yennefer or Anya Chalotra to, to interact with more people, whereas in the book she spends a, a bit more time off screen, off page doing things, because... Everyone they pair with Anya Chalotra has great banter. And you got to think part of that is her. He's really funny. Because whether it's with Kahir, whether it's with Jaskier, whether it's with Tisea Vilgefort's Stregobor, whether it's just exclaiming to the void, what's the point? Or what's with all these men sneaking around? (laughs) Her her sense of humor is very sarcastic. Like we all see all sorts of different senses of humor in the show, but her sense of humor is like the number one sarcastic sense of humor. She's the queen. She might be the only drier person than Garrett. Which is why they're perfect for each other. (laughs) Yeah. I think they even maybe tried to extend that difference a little bit by having Triss be even like nicer and friendlier and having Yennefer be even more cynical and And Triss is so soft-spoken and like like, lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Triss is a lot friendlier and cares about how people, you know, she's, use your words more carefully, you know, don't be And, and, and Yennefer's just like F-bombs and shit. And, yeah, and, Yennefer just says what's, yeah. you know. Ball of spikes. Yeah. Ball of spikes yeah. yeah, she doesn't pull punches, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Triss, Siri's look on her face when Geralt and Triss meet for the first, when they see each other for the first time, she's like, you two know each other. <laughs> and hmm, it might be more than know each other, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she sniffs it I actually out. thought we would get a little more history there, but yeah, they, yeah, they didn't they go into it. They dialed it back a little, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, one thing I am curious about, and this is a big topic, so we don't have to talk about it now, but Yennefer and Geralt are destined and super in love with each other and all that. But in the books, they are not sexually exclusive at all. No. So <laughs> I wonder how they'll deal with that in the show, if, they, if, they'll, if they will deal with it. Yeah. And that's when he thinks Yen is dead. Like, well, it, f- it feels like they could have had an opportunity. Geralt definitely doesn't take Triss up on her offer. So I think there is. Yeah, and he, yeah, exactly. That's really it's a bigger yeah. deal because he's I'm single, but I still don't want to yeah. do it. You know? Yeah, I think that obviously things are a little bit more rocky at the end of the season, and he's you know forgiven her a little bit more. But I don't think there's going to be many more opportunities where he'll do that. I, I think they'll make that less of a thing in yeah, the show. If that makes be, sense. Yeah. It feels like they're going to keep them more mutually exclusive in the show. I think. Henry Cable and Yashalotra, they're both beautiful human beings. Geralt and Yennefer, both iconic characters. Interesting to see how they do it, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of romance, I do have to point out, Yennefer says something to like, did Geralt leave a bad taste in your, in your mouth to, to Yaskir? No <laughs> one leaves a taste in my mouth. mouth. <laughs> it's like, hello, it is I, Yaskir, <laughs> the extremely straight bard. Who wrote a breakup song about my platonic friend. Yeah. <laughs> platonic friend, yeah. <laughs> That was a really funny It's like the historians, they were just good friends. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's totally the historian, they were just good friends. Yes, the two women moved away to live together as friends. Yes, that's it. (laughs) To live in a community where only other women as friends live. Yes, but they're all just friends. Friends. I think that was the funniest line for me personally. And I was like, <laughs> no one okay. leaves a taste in my mouth. That is <laughs> such a good line. I was like, okay, they're really going for it here. Like, this yeah. is... <laughs> they clearly get it too. They're like, yeah. yeah, we know what we're doing with this line. <laughs> oh yeah. And Joey B again, he just relishes every line. It's so he great. Does, yeah. And the way he does it too is Yaskier. It's like this kind of like nonchalantly, but then he's mm-hmm. going, Oh, what I said was more nonchalant <laughs> than the nonchalantness <laughs> that I am. That's it's so ironic and funny. Right. Rodanian intelligence definitely tackled some big things. And I felt like not that season one didn't have as big of emotional impacts, but all these episodes are hard hit. They have really big, serious elements. And I feel like that only starts to build more and yeah. more as the series goes on. It gets at more and more intense. And it's, the passage of time it's make, really, make, yeah. makes a big difference. Like yeah. these relationships have existed for longer. They have more meaning. That gives them more yeah. authenticity. You, you barely knew these characters in season one, their relationships. But the longer they go, the more ups and downs they have. The way they keep coming back to each other, that makes them more powerful. It's just like any show where you start season one, the characters, you don't fully know them. The more seasons that go past, the more you jive with them, the more you know them, the more they are part of you as just, you know, as watchers or readers. Characters change. Characters change. You you see them in a variety of situations. You you trust them more. You understand their behavior. You can predict what they're going to do. And as far as the show goes, too, they get to do more things like inside jokes, meta humor, like with no one leaves a taste in my mouth. That's just funny anyway. But it's there's levels to it. There's layers to it. And that's part of the knowing the characters. Those jokes are more meaningful. Even going to Burn Butcher Burn, I agree it's not as catchy as Toss a Coin, but I think it's a better song. And Yaskier's grown. That makes sense. I've agreed. It's more mature. I don't think it's going to be as viral as Toss a Coin, but I think you're right. I think it is maybe more musical. It's more harder emotional. to cover because it's so Yaskier singing it. I really like it. I think we're going to have a banger each season that kind of focuses on an element of the past. 
the, the first season we had a song that was about the first season and the second season we have a song that's about the the longing of Yaskir. I think we're going to have a song like that each season that kind of speaks to where we are with the story. Yeah. And, I, and that's what a bard is about, right? A bard is a storyteller. So I think that having a character like Yaskir and an ultra talented artist, I'm just going to say artist because Joey Beatty plays instruments and plays the lute and sings and does all yeah since things. he legitimately <laughs> sang and played that yeah that, you got yeah you're right you got to give him some credit for that for sure the dude's got skills absolutely right about the song thing because Koski loves to play with storytelling he loves to present different versions of storytelling to show whether fairy tales fireside tales history all these different versions songs are a huge part of that history like songs are remembered songs are a thing that survive he literally sings tales about Geralt and yeah Memphis. you're totally I mean, right the butcher yeah. blaviken like that's a, that was a season yeah. episode two is like, i'm gonna write a song that will help <laughs> restore your reputation bro with this loot i got from philavandrel <laughs> I, I wouldn't be i wouldn't be surprised if the last scene of the witcher uh series is yes gear singing some sort of song i'd love that that'd be great oh And I'm going to leave you with that thought. That's where we're going to end it here today. We're going to do our little <laughs> outro here. Uh, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Let me also shout out our supporters. We have Maura yeah. N. We have Rhett C. We have Cat Ovivas. We have James G. We have Ryan B. School of the Cat. We have Barry Samuel W. We have Lucas M. We have Robert B. We have LC. And we have Amy Blackfire. Thank you very much, y'all. We appreciate it. We'll keep them coming. As once we are done with our season two coverage, we'll get into Blood of Elves. Somehow they have endured me for this long. Um. (laughs) (laughs) We also have Pod Surprise, a Twitter account for our show here. It's not super active, but we're getting it there. We do post (laughs) announcements there and interact with people. Also, Podcast of Surprise on Facebook. If you want to come join our community, come hang out with us there. We do memes. We do all sorts of announcements there. We do fun threads. We usually do a couple of different threads before we're going to be doing a podcast. And that's where you can come join our community and come chat with us and hang out. Thumbs up to everyone. Had a lot of fun tonight. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope to see you for the next episodes of the podcast. Surprise. Bye. Bye.